This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everybody. Here's a question for you. If I'm an alcoholic, does a bar have any obligation to stop serving me? Think about that. If I'm a food addict or, or you know, addicted to sugar, does a ice cream parlor have any obligation to stop serving me? I think the answer to those questions is absolutely not. Well... What about if you're a gambling addict? A huge federal court case, which could have national implications, not only in Nevada and New Jersey, but really in every state that has casinos. A judge has ruled that casinos have no legal obligation to stop compulsive gamblers from betting. And they dismissed a lawsuit from a self-described problem gambler who accused the Borgata in Atlantic City and its parent company, MGM Resorts International, which has all sorts of great properties all over the country, um, of plying him with offers to gamble despite knowing about his addiction. So what he's saying is they knew I was a gambling addict and they kept sending me all these offers to gamble. This is like... uh, dangling mouse, uh, dangling cheese in front of a mouse. You can't resist. It's like uh, putting a flame in front of a moth. It's like, um, you know, at night, when you when you go crabbing at night, you put a flashlight up there on the ocean, and the crabs just run right up to the flashlight because they think it's the sun. You're not allowed to do that. U.S. District Judge Madeline Cox Arleo dismissed a lawsuit by uh, a, a lawsuit by Sam Antar. You know, I wonder if this is the Sam Antar that I know. I know a Sam Antar a little bit. I've interviewed him a few times. A really interesting guy. He's actually the cousin of Eddie Antar, Crazy Eddie. So I just reached out to Sam to see if uh, this is him and if he wants to come on and talk about this. But this lawsuit was dismissed Um, against the gambling companies saying the voluminous rules and regulations governing gambling do not impose a legal duty upon casinos to cut off compulsive gamblers. I have to tell you, I think this is the right decision. We all have our predilections. We, a lot of people have addictions. It's not up to the people that are making money selling the vice that you have a problem with to determine when you've had enough. No, it's up to you to either exercise a little bit of self-control or get the proper help that you need or take whatever steps. I mean, what you can do if you are a problem gambler, and many gamblers do this, is put yourself on the list to not be admitted to casinos. And they enforce that. They enforce that. And in fact, that creates its own separate pot of problems. But uh, I think the judge made the right decision here. I am curious what you think. Uh, This particular judge cited two previous cases in which a compulsive gambler and a patron who claimed to have lost money gambling while drunk sued unsuccessfully. 
Um, boy, if you could sue for losing money while drunk, but boy, oh boy, I'd have a whole team of lawyers working for me, boy. Let me tell you. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. Hey, uh, by the way, speaking of gambling, coming up on Sunday is one of the biggest gambling days of the year. No, not one of the biggest. The biggest gambling day of the year. And so we're going to get into it with uh, Dave Weinberg, who is a, a real expert when it comes to sports and sports gambling uh, specifically. So I'll get his take on uh, what you should be betting on this weekend. I'm not. I'm in a pool. And I got pretty good numbers, but um, I, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm going to be placing a bet on the game just because you know I don't have the extra hundred bucks right now. You know, you, you can't gamble with what you don't have. So I'm not going to be betting, and I don't feel a strong. You know, I think the 49ers are going to win, but I think it's going to be a very close game. I don't have a strong preference for one team over the other, as I have on other games that I have uh, bet on over the years. 800-848-9222. If you're a casino, should you be forced to not admit a problem gambler, a compulsive gambler? The courts have now said no. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Tony, you have an opinion on this? Yeah, um, it's not It's not the person's It's not. The, the bartender or anybody's responsibility. Right. It's, it's, it's your responsibility. You know right from wrong. That's it. Or or if you don't, it's up to you to get the help to stop you from making those problematic choices or stop yourself from going into those um, situations. You know, uh, I, I think this is absolutely the, the right decision. 800-848-9222. Very pleased to be heard on uh, Talk 1400, WOND in Atlantic City. I, you know, they always say I, I talk a little too much about Atlantic City, I, and I was so I wasn't going to mention this story, but then Elon Musk started tweeting about it, so I figured if Elon Musk is tweeting about it, then it's got not only national implications, but international implications. You know, there's this myth that voter fraud does not exist. In Atlantic City, voter fraud not only exists, but it has been perfected to an art form. There were these fellas called the Callaways, and if you wanted, and I've been trying to get them on the radio, well, one one of them died, but the one that's living, Craig Calloway, I've been trying to get him on the radio, and I haven't had any luck. And I'm told he's a real character. I've wanted to meet with him. I've reached out to him a number of times over the years, and I guess he's afraid I'm going to talk about whatever we experience together on the radio, which, you know, I might, but I've never, I don't think I've ever met him. So anyway... Craig Calloway used to be the president of the Atlantic City Council, went to prison for bribery years ago. He comes out and he basically runs a voter fraud scheme. And it's understood that if you want to get elected as a Democrat or a Republican, you hire Craig Calloway to run your messenger ballot operation. So what does he do? My understanding of the situation is... You know, in New Jersey, they allow these messenger ballots where someone other than the person who's voting can be the person that takes your ballot to the authorities. So what they do is they essentially have this army of people that network with homeless people and get the homeless people to vote a certain way. Or they just request ballots for certain people that have no intention of voting and fill out that ballot a certain way. And it's an interesting thing because whether he's backing a Democrat or a Republican, 
the candidate that he's backing usually wins. Not always. Not always. Um, he's not a supporter of the current mayor. But, um, you know, then, then the current mayor was reelected. But usually that's what happens. My friend Don Guardian, the former mayor, this is why he lost. Because Craig Calloway chose to run this voter fraud scheme for his opponent. But the problem is so much of what he was doing was legal. Maybe not so legal, because now federal authorities arrested former Atlantic City Council president. Oh, yeah. He was the president of the Atlantic City Council. Yeah. Um, he, they arrested former Atlantic City Council president and Democratic operative Craig Calloway, alleging he masterminded a mail ballot fraud scheme in the run up to the 2022 election. U.S. attorneys accused Callaway and other unnamed subordinates of paying Atlantic City residents between $30 and $50 to act as authorized messengers and request mail-in ballots for voters whom they had never met. Prosecutors allege that those ballots were later cast without the actual voters' knowledge. This is the oldest trick in the Callaway playbook. The charges appear to stem from work Callaway did for Congressman Jeff Van Drew in his 2022 re-election campaign. There's no indication that Van Drew knew about the alleged scheme. Honestly, and I like Jeff Van Drew. He's one of my favorite congressmen. He's been a guest on this show. Of course Jeff Van Drew knew about the scheme because I knew about it. It's an open secret in South Jersey. Everybody knows this is what Craig Callaway does. What politicians that hire Craig Calloway do, including friends of mine, is they pay him whatever it is, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and they close their eyes. They close their eyes, and I don't want to know. Um, you, you, I don't want to know how the cows are being killed. Just serve up the steaks. They all do it. So you might ask, in twenty twenty two, if everybody knew this, why didn't the person who was running against Jeff Van Drew? Raise this as an issue. Excellent question you asked, if that was the question you asked. Who did Jeff Andrew run against in 2022? Amy Kennedy. Amy Kennedy of the Kennedy family, the wife of Patrick Kennedy, who I believe is the son of Ted Kennedy. Amy Kennedy, big name, a lot of money. Why wouldn't she have run to the authorities and raised this issue back two years ago? Here's why. Craig Calloway, you know, Amy Kennedy won a competitive Democratic primary, which was pretty close. Calloway worked for Amy Kennedy in the primary. So Kennedy hired Calloway in the primary. Calloway does his whole mail-in voter scheme in the primary. Kennedy wins the primary. And then in the general election, he switches sides to Jeff Van Drew, the Republican, so what could Kennedy say? That this is terrible? That, oh, how, this is outrageous? Well, if it was so terrible and outrageous, why did you do it? Why did you pay him to do the same thing? So she couldn't say anything. But he ran the same scheme in the primary and the general election. And he does this, honestly, in every race. It is an open secret of anybody that knows um, Atlantic City politics. You know, it's funny. Seth Grossman, who's as conservative as can be, is having a uh, conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll get him on to talk about it. He's very conservative. He's got the group Liberty and Prosperity. He's having Craig Calloway speak to his group. Now, why? Which I can't believe he got Craig Calloway because I've been trying to get him, you know, on the radio for a while. Uh, He wants to expose to his group 
what Callaway does so that conservatives, I guess, know how to stop it. I'm shocked Callaway agreed to it. So um, he's out on on bail uh, on fifty thousand dollar bond right now, and I guarantee you, if he serves a prison sentence and gets released, he will find some other way of doing one of these ballot harvesting schemes. This is the oldest trick in the book. And as I mentioned, these charges are not the first that he's faced. In 2006, he admitted accepting a $36,000 bribe from a contractor that he helped to obtain city contracts. In 2008, he admitted guilt in a separate blackmail scheme targeting an Atlantic City councilman um, while serving the sentence of his bribery conviction. So while he was in prison for bribery, he blackmailed a city councilman. And yet this is the go-to political operative in South Jersey for Democrats and Republicans. Think voter fraud doesn't exist. Think again. Uh, Here was um, a gentleman, Micah Rasmussen, the director of politics at Ryder University, talking about this whole thing. The value and the significance and the importance that I place on the actions of Callaway is how much the Van Drew campaign paid him. They paid him $65,000, which is as much as they paid their campaign manager in 2022. They claim, Van Drew claims, I didn't know that anything wrong was going on. Well, everybody else did. And everybody else knew that that's what came with Craig Calloway's services, that that was what he did. So my question is simple. If you didn't know he was doing anything wrong, what did you think you were purchasing? He's exactly right. And again, I say this is somebody that likes Jeff Van Drew. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. If I know Jeff Vandrew, who's much more astute and much more attuned to South Jersey politics than I do, he knows. 800-848-9222. John is in Reno. Hello, John. What's on your mind? Hey, Frank. You know, with the casinos and the problem of gamblers, um, you know, you have sympathy for somebody that likes to gamble too much, but basically personal responsibility needs to come in. It's a slippery slope. If we hold the casinos responsible for problem gamblers, then we have to hold society responsible for pedophiles. There's people out there who want pedophiles or alcoholics to just get treatment for child porn or driving drunk. John, there needs to be more personal responsibility with punishment. John, that was quite a people. That was quite a a leap. All right, thank you, John. That was quite a leap you made there from uh, gambler to to pedophile. (laughs) What? Oh, boy. Some days I wish I was drunk. 800-848-9222. Joe is in the Queens. Hi, Joe. Yeah, Frank, I want to bring up two separate points. First is, these people, if they spend too much money, they won't have enough money to come back. It's not like they're swimming in an ocean and you're a lifeguard and they might drown. So you don't need to watch them at the level they'll get caught in the current. The second thing is... If you're trying to enforce that, it's like a blind enforcement. Right. Someone could someone could be spending a thousand and they have two thousand, or they could be a millionaire. They could owe alimony. They could have psychological problems, or they might not be. They might have spiritual problems, you know, with God. So you're asking the person enforcing this to be a minister, a psychologist, a banker, a loan shark. 
You, how can someone right. analyze the behavior at that level on the spot? Yeah, again, Joe, I agree with everything you said, which is why I think the judge made the right decision here. And, um, you know, I'm, if this is the Sam Antar that I know, and I don't know that it is, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's also a felon, so he was not smart enough to avoid committing felonies with his cousin, Crazy Eddie. But he's a smart enough guy that knows the lay of the land, which is why I'm surprised he would bring a lawsuit like this. Maybe he feels he's got nothing to lose, but, you know, it takes effort and money to file, uh, hire a lawyer and file a lawsuit like this. 800-848-9222. Larry in Brooklyn, what do you think? Well, I agree 100% with the decision, but uh, I heard a few people in the background uh, talking about uh, bartenders. Yeah, there's no analogy between that because a bartender, I am almost certain, has has an obligation to stop uh, serving somebody if they look like they're getting sick. If somebody well, 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 yeah, Larry, get but, alcohol poisoning, well, absolutely, yeah. you're you're right about that. What I said was an alcoholic, right? Like, let's say, you know, my friend, um, you know, Sid Rosenberg, I, I think, has admitted that he's an alcoholic. Um, if you're a, a bar. Do you stop uh, trying to get Sid to come into your place of business because it would be too much of a temptation? Because that's essentially what Sam Antar is saying. He's saying that just by putting the offer out there, no, they knew he was a compulsive gambler and uh, that by putting this up there, they knew that he couldn't resist. The same argument could be made if you're marketing booze or, or bartending services to an alcoholic. No, it would not extend that far. I, it would be the same on that level. It would be it would be in that directly analogous, definitely, not to the person sitting at the bar getting drunk in front of your face and getting right. sick. Right? No, no, no. You can't then do you that. You would have a sense of responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad okay. you uh, clarified that, Larry. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Before we get to uh, Dave Weinberg from Dave Weinberg's Extra Point, let me say hello to Joaquin, who's been patiently hey, holding. Frank, buddy. First of all, for an unorthodox remedy. Refer to Dr. Curtis Flewa. I asked him about his great aunt's horse pie bath. Now, as far as Tucker Carlson goes, you know, they took him off the air right around the time that he did that show on the QAnon Shaman, and he said that he was going to show more video footage of January 6th. Plus, also, he also was having certain views about the war with Russia. So the, it, we're in a free society, and information is what makes us free. So him going over there interviewing Putin is, you know, you can see if everyone's against it, it's the right thing. Now, also, too, I would change artificial intelligence to autonomous intelligence and think about Skynet, because uh, if you've ever seen any automation in manufacturing, it's easy to see how the machines can build themselves. Yeah, I agree with that, Joaquin. Uh, well said. Uh, absolutely uh, think that that is uh, cause for concern. Thank you. All right. Uh, let me squeeze in at least one more here. 800-848-9222. Roy in New Jersey. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Frank. You know, there's actually an interesting theme of everything you touched on in this last segment. It's legal versus ethical. Right. So we know a bartender can't overserve. But is it ethical for a casino to target compulsive gamblers? Is uh, Greg Calloway ethical? Is omnibus bills legal? And unfortunately, we're moving to a less ethical society. And that's the underlying theme, I think, between the three points you brought up. 
Yeah, I um, I think you might be right, uh, Roy. I, um, you know, and that's a shame, and I'm, I'm not really sure what can be done about it, but uh, I think that's a, a fair point, Roy. Thank you. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Dave Weinberg from Dave Weinberg's Extra Points joins us straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, still with that frog in my throat, waiting for a princess to come and turn him into some sort of a prince. So far, no such luck. Well, I have been very, very lucky to be airing on two of the greatest gambling cities in the world, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Las Vegas, Nevada. We're on two great stations there, Talk Radio 1400 WOND in Atlantic City and KDON in Las Vegas. And it just so happens that this Sunday is the granddaddy of them all. Not only the biggest sporting event of the entire year, not only the most watched television event of the entire year, but it is the biggest gambling day of the entire calendar. Every other big gambling day pales in comparison to what's coming up on Sunday. The big game, Super Bowl Sunday. Here we are. This is the one day where even if you never watch football, this is the one game that you'll watch. And it looks like it's going to be a pretty exciting game. So when it comes to analysis from a sports perspective and from a betting perspective, who do you turn to? Well, a gentleman that I have been reading for years, literally decades, quite honestly, is also a fixture on our Atlantic City station, Dave Weinberg. He is a veteran sports writer and columnist and now a terrific blogger with Dave Weinberg's Extra Points. Dave, it's great to talk to you. Thank you for joining me on the radio. I'm so used to listening to you with my buddy A.C. Mike and with Scott Cronick. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me, Frank. I appreciate it. For folks that are unfamiliar with you, Dave, give folks the kind of the Reader's Digest version of your history professionally as a sports journalist and what you're doing now. Oh, sure. Yeah, I was a, a sports writer for the, the Press of Atlantic City for 35 years, uh, primarily covering the Eagles, boxing, uh, a little bit of everything, really. It was a columnist for them as well. And then uh, after I left there, I, I became a, a columnist for uh, 97.3 ESPN.com. Uh, a couple other local outlets, and I've been a guest on uh, a regular guest on WOND with, like you mentioned, with AC Mike and with uh, Scott Chronic and uh, a couple other guys as well. So yeah, keep keep them pretty busy. Well, you're doing great, and people should check out uh, Dave Weinberg's Extra Point. Um, it's a terrific blog and a lot of great insight on there. Um, now, before we get into the game, and I'm curious to get your take on how you th- see things going. Tell me about how legalized sports gambling has changed Atlantic City specifically. Years ago, the only place you could place a legal bet was in Las Vegas. For the last five or six years, that's not the case. What kind of a game changer has that been to AC? Oh, it's been a game changer um, big time. Um, 
you know, before Atlantic City uh, got sports betting, it was, you know, you've mentioned you had to go to Vegas or your local bookie, I guess, to, to make some wages. But now every every uh, casino in, in town has a sports book, uh, plus you have the online betting uh, sites as well. It's been uh, And it's just been a huge boost to the city. I mean, it, it was in need of a jolt, and uh, sports betting definitely provided that for them. What about how much has legalized sports betting driven interest in the NFL? It seems like every week there's a different article about how incredible the TV ratings are for NFL. Do you think part of that is people who have money on the game and are not necessarily fans of any of the teams? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, that's been the, uh, that's been a huge factor behind the NFL's growth and popularity. Um, like you mentioned, you know, not everybody's a, a fan of a particular team, but everybody wants to bet. I mean, just turn on, a, you know, any pregame show and you have like the, the sports, you know, the point spread and the money line. And, and uh, when it comes to the Super Bowl, especially, you have all those different prop bets and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a huge factor in the NFL's growth. So from what I've seen, the handicappers have the 49ers slightly favored on Sunday. Uh, The line that I saw last was uh, they were favored by two and a half points over the Chiefs. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's been jumping around uh, basically between a point and a half and two and a half points for the last couple of weeks. It it looks like it's going to be a pretty close game based on that i mean uh yeah like you said the niners are slightly favored but uh i, I think it's really going to come down to, to the end of the game so uh, i've always said that the smartest people on earth the people that should be in charge of uh, crafting the federal budget making defense policy <laughs> everything else um are the people that uh that make the lines because it's amazing to me how accurate they are so often as far as what you're seeing are both of these teams pretty much evenly matched do you think that's a fair line a point and a half to two and a half points oh yeah absolutely um i was talking to a buddy of mine earlier today and they were mentioning that uh it seems like the general public uh is favoring kansas city but the uh the so-called um experts the 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 wise guys the the sharp money is going to on san francisco um yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a really close game i think they're uh the line is just about right i think both teams are very evenly matched um Kansas City has the edge in terms of experience uh, in the in Super Bowl, but um, 49ers have been probably the class of the NFL for, for uh, all the year, if not most of it, and uh, uh, I think they're going to be right there with them as well. If you were to bet, given the slight favoring of the 49ers by, let's say, two and a half points over the Chiefs, who would you be betting on? You betting the Chiefs, you betting the Niners? If. Oh, there's no if. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to compromise uh, your professional objectivity, oh, dude. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the 49ers. I, I just think they're. Um, I just think they're a the better team. I know they've had some. They struggled in the playoffs. They get by some teams. They fell behind big to, to Detroit, but found a way to come back. And but uh, I don't think that'll be the case. I think that the the extra week is really going to benefit them. And I I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be hosting that Lombardi Trophy at the end. By the way, one of the discussions we've been having, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Dave Weinberg of uh, Dave Weinberg's Extra Points. 
One of the discussions we've been having is the debate over lost productivity on the day after the Super Bowl, the so-called Super Bowl flu, where you have literally millions of Americans calling in sick or taking a scheduled (laughs) day off on Monday, or people just going to work and being totally unproductive. There's a serious movement to have the day after the Super Bowl be a national holiday. What would be your take on that, Dave? Um, yeah, it, I, I assume productivity is pretty, is pretty, is pretty down, especially in the, in the city where the, the home team resides. I cover, I happen to cover two Super Bowls when I was, uh, you know, uh, writing stories about the Eagles. And, uh, I remember after they won, uh, in 2017 season, 2018, um, you, you off, you just pretty much came to a standstill for a whole week, really, uh, until after <laughs> the parade. And, uh, it's, um. I, I don't know that you can maybe make it a federal holiday. That seems like that's a little much, but um, I can understand where maybe companies might want to opt to give their, their employees that day off, though. Yeah, I mean, my view was um, just move it to the day before President's Day. President's Day is already a, a national holiday or federal holiday. Uh, make it uh, the Super Bowl the day before President's Day. Either that or just do it on a Saturday. I realize that's, uh, you know, that's sacrilege to some people, but so be it. Hey, uh, uh, Dave, what is the over-under on Sunday's game? I believe it's around 47, 47 and a half. Um, uh, that, I said that's the uh, most places I've been to. That's what I've seen the line at. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm kind of leaning towards the under there. I just think that both defenses are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm looking for like a 24-21 game, something like that, I think. And, uh, you know, I saw abroad people were making all sorts of crazy bets on uh, whether or not Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey are going to get engaged, whether or not she's going to, uh, uh, you know, announce that she's pregnant, whether this, whether that. What are what are some of the unusual bets that you're hearing about people making, uh, Dave? Well, uh, you got the usual being the length of the national anthem with Reba McIntyre singing. I think it'll probably go under whatever their whatever the number is, only because it's just I know I'm no expert by any means, but it seems like country music stars kind of tend to play like close to the vest. There's no you know uh, long riffs or their own interpretations of the song. They're pretty much they stick to the to the basics. So I think she'll get through it pretty quickly. Um, and then you have the usual stuff, you know, color or Gatorade that'll get poured on the winning coach. <laughs> And uh, and stuff like that. So, and uh, I've even some some uh, bets about whether Taylor Smith will ever make it to the game because uh, she's I think she's performing in Tokyo I think the night before and uh, has to take a private jet. You know what time she's going to get there, that kind of stuff. The, in addition to the usual craziness, now you have like you said, you have the Taylor Swift uh, factor. Uh, coming to it. One of the things that some people are complaining about, including a lot of football people, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy among them, is that uh, Taylor Swift is getting a little too much attention this football season and she's become something of a distraction from the actual game. How do you feel about that, Dave? Do you agree? Not at all. No, I disagree totally. I mean, I I just I don't I don't read a whole lot into it. I mean, I think it's kind of uh kind of neat that uh, I, and she hasn't asked for this at all. I mean, everybody seems to be wanting to come down on her for, for uh, you know, being on TV all the time and showing her out in a press box. She doesn't ask to be doing that. She just happens to be dating, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey. And 
I guess the attention comes with that. I don't know because she's such a big star, but I, I have no problem with it at all. I don't think it detracts from the game you know, in, in any way. I, I agree with you. And, you know, I've read, I read an article recently where you have these uh, middle-aged dads that are now sharing an interest in uh, football games and the Kansas City Chiefs with their 14-year-old daughters for the first time who are now following mm-hmm. what's going on. And I, I think that's kind of a nice thing, which uh, maybe a lot of dads and daughters haven't gotten to experience before. Hey, um, you know, so you're betting the 49ers, you're betting the under. If people are looking for an unusual prop bet to make during the game, putting aside maybe the color of Gatorade or anything Taylor Swift related, is there anything that you'd recommend is a good bet for someone, someone that's glued to their uh, smartphone app right now, poised to make a bet? Anything you can recommend? Oh, boy, that's going to be tough. Um, I've got, I have like a, a 10 uh, different leg parlay that I've uh, made. It all revolves around, you know, touchdown passes for, for Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy and rushing yards. It's just, just from a selfish standpoint, though, because Isaiah Pacheco, the, the Chiefs running back, is from the Atlantic City area. He grew up about, uh, I guess, I want to say 20 miles outside of Atlantic City. So, um I'm all, I'm betting like he'll rush forever, you know, 65 yards mm. uh, for the Chiefs on Sunday. But that, that's just the, because I'm uh, sure hey. I covered the kids since high school, and I'm a big fan of it. So, that's great. Um, uh, no, yeah. that's great. Uh, you you mentioned covering the Eagles for so many years. The Eagles mm-hmm. seemed like they were poised for greatness this year, and uh, a lot of folks are really disappointed in how the season turned out for them. What went wrong with the Eagles season this season? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, Frank. I mean, uh, you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different answers. Even Fletcher Cox was on uh, a radio station today, and even he doesn't know. And if the players don't know and the coaches don't know, then I certainly don't. Um, <laughs> but whatever it was, they better fix it because uh, I don't um, – that was just, that was a that was a collapse of uh, epic proportions, what they went through. And um, – I'm, surprised, I'm a little surprised that Sirianni kept his job. I mean, I, I, I can understand it, having taken the team to the Super Bowl last year, that you might want to give him a, a one-year grace period. But he better figure out things and figure them out quick if he wants to stay there. I'm talking with Dave Weinberg, Dave Weinberg's Extra Points. Dave, uh, one of the things that some people watched the Super Bowl for, especially back in the day, was uh, the commercials. Uh, it seems like a lot of the brands would invest a lot of money into uh, putting out the best possible products, products uh, meaning the commercials that were entertaining and memorable and really looked to make a splash. Have the commercials gone downhill over the years? I feel like almost every year I'm now here hearing people say something to the effect of the commercials used to be so great and now they're not. Where do you come down on that, Dave? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I, you know, being um, a big football fan, obviously I've watched it every year and there was a time where, yeah, I was really generally interested in like seeing the, the Clydesdales and, and, you know, what, what sort of, um, what sort of angle the different companies would take, you know, whether it's humorous or touching or what have you, it just doesn't, but it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. They just seem to they pump like you know millions of dollars into it, but it just doesn't grab my interest the way it mm. used to. Yeah, I don't think you're alone, and I don't know what changed. Uh, maybe it's the fact that we're being bombarded with commercials all day long in every form of media that uh, that does it. I don't know. Hey, uh, give me a prediction on what Bill Belichick does next. Oh boy, that's going to be tough. I think he goes to the broadcast booth for a year and or two. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised that he has doesn't have an NFL job yet, though, Frank. I mean, 
given the you know his success and his track record. Uh, but it seems like teams are kind of um, looking for a coach that's going to give them five, six years if they can. And you know, Bill being like seventy-two years old or, or something, maybe they just don't have the confidence or whatever that he's going to you know have the interest or the ability to stay that long. So they kind of they seem to be gravitating gravitating towards uh, towards younger guys. But I think eventually, after maybe a year or so. There's going to be a team there that wants a you know a quick fix. Wants to get ready to win now, and they'll bring him in. But uh, as of right now, I can I don't know which team that's going to be. There are so many people listening that uh, they, they their attitude when it comes to the Super Bowl is I don't even care who's playing. I don't care who wins. My only interest is what numbers I have in the pool. Everybody's in an <laughs> office pool or some sort of a pool, and uh, a lot of years it seems like the best numbers, the zeros, the three the sixes aren't necessarily the winning uh, winning numbers as far as you're concerned Dave what numbers should people be excited about if they have in their football pool <laughs> oh boy well I'm in I'm in two of them so um I you know I you're right there I mean every time you think you're gonna you know you get a seven or you get a three or you get a zero or one like you said you get real excited but then the score you know winds up with one team having eight and the other right. team having four or something like that. So it never works out the way you want to. Why is that? I mean, it seems like it only ha- happens during the Super Bowl. It really does feed into a lot of these conspiracy theories that uh, that it's rigged. I mean, last year, I think the winning numbers were it were 8-5. Who would have predicted that? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's true. I guess you have to just hope for, hope for the best. I mean, you never know what numbers you're going to get. You can't really pick them. Usually exactly. they're just you know, done randomly. So right. you just got to uh, hope for it. So I, I don't know. I don't know about conspiracy theory. I don't know if there's someone that says, okay, we got to land this one team has to score as a score that ends at a five. That, that seems a little tough to accomplish. Where are you watching the game? Um, you know what? My, my son and uh, daughter-in-law are hosting a party and, uh, I'm going to be going over there, probably you know, some ribs, wings, and a couple beers here and there, and just enjoy enjoy it with uh, family and friends. That sounds great. What's the address, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see. If, I'll, see if, I'll see if I can save you a spot. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, uh, so is that your your foot, your Super Bowl cuisine of of choice? Is it ribs? That's the, that was my last question. Uh, usually, yeah. I mean, I. I and if I, you know, if I'm not if I'm not there, obviously I usually hang out here and make some of my own. I have a smoker that I use that's uh, treated me pretty well. And uh, except for the one time where I wound up in the uh, urgent care with some stitches in my hand. Oh my! Jeez. <laughs> well, uh, maybe what? Maybe I won't uh, crash that party after all. Dave Weinberg, <laughs> a veteran sports columnist and writer. Uh, check him out. Dave Weinberg's Extra Points. Dave, always a treat to uh, to chat with you, to listen to you. It's great to have you on the program. I hope we can do this. Again. Oh, I'd love to, Frank. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. Our number is 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Naughty by Nature, a Tony Atwood selection. I like this. This is pretty, this is pretty catchy uh, and was uh, quite a hit back in the day. All right, uh, we're going to get to your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. You know, I didn't realize until today, but do you know what Wednesday is? Wednesday is Ash Wednesday which is the beginning of Lent uh, and the period of Lenten sacrifice. Now, I, uh, you know, I'm not the most pious individual in the world, but I do try to do my part to be sacrificial during Lent. So usually, almost always, what I give up every year during Lent is uh, alcohol. And, you know, I do it for a few reasons. One you always take off a couple of pounds, you know, so it's nice to come spring. You're nice and svelte and, you know, you're thin because you've, you, you haven't drunk, you, you haven't drank anything for 40 days. Also, um, whenever people accuse me of having a drinking problem, you know, I can always justify it to myself and say, no, I can stop anytime I want. Look, I just did 40 days without drinking. Boom, done. And really, it's not a struggle. For me, it's a lot easier to not drink anything than to uh, th- to drink in moderation. But, you know, it really is a sacrifice. I'm also going to try to add uh, this year, because, I'm, uh, y- you know, I've been biking every day. I'm going to try to add cycling or running at least six out of every seven days, in addition to my abstention from, uh, from alcohol. And I'm going to try to be more diligent in terms of uh, church attendance and things of that nature. So um, that's that's it. So I'm going to try and go out with a bang uh, this weekend. I'm not sure. Oh, it's good because uh, my wife and I are supposed to go out on Friday right in our neighborhood, so we don't have to worry about driving. I could have a few. And then on uh, Saturday, all of my siblings, I have three siblings, each quarter, each one of us will host a dinner for our our family and my father and stepmother, you know, every three months, that's what a quarter is, each one of us will host it at our home or somewhere along those lines. And on Saturday, my brother Nick and his wife Kat are hosting their Q1 dinner. Now, they did not host a dinner last year because right around the time they were supposed to uh, host their Q4 dinner, their, um, you know, Kat's mom, unfortunately, passed away, and she was a, a real nice lady. So you uh, hate to see that. So this is the first dinner that they've hosted. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, they're, you know, they're pretty pretty good hosts, so I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fun. Uh, but that is not a bad place to be back-to-back, you know, um, your plans with the wife on Friday and then uh, being able to get together with my siblings at a party that they're hosting on Saturday. So looking forward to that. I don't know um, if you end up giving up anything for Lent. Even beyond the religious aspect of it, I think the mental and physical, I think the mental aspect of it is important. Whatever you're abstaining from, whether it's uh, booze, whether it's junk food, whether it's coffee, the fact that there's something that you enjoy and that you indulge in regularly, especially if it's something that's bad for you, like booze is, the, if you can abstain from that for 40 days, I really do think it's an important test of your will. 
especially during Lent, usually that includes St. Patrick's Day, usually that includes Valentine's Day. So you always have a lot of, um, you know, occasions where there are to indulge in, in alcohol. I do find that it tests you and that it's an important thing to test you with. So um, let me know if, what you're planning on giving up. 800-848-9222. We're also on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, we got our poll going on Twitter where we are uh, taking your votes on this Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin, asking the question, are you going to watch uh, Tucker's interview with, uh, with Vladimir Putin? So far, the overwhelming number of people voting say they are planning to watch it or at least continue or considering planning to watch it. So uh, about 82% say they're planning to watch it. So if you want to vote, you can find me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, you can also email me, frank.morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano, M-O-R-A-N-O, at redappleaudionetworks.com. One of the other things that I found quite interesting I'm going to bring to your attention in uh, just a bit, because this is a story which I think should have gotten a lot of attention and has been found nowhere. Um, It's a story out of Vermont. You ever misbehave as a child? Did you ever misbehave as a child and have your parents try to strike the fear, put the fear of God into you that they were going to call the cops or throw you in jail? A Vermont mother called the police in 2021 to teach her 14-year-old son a lesson after he stole electronic cigarettes from a gas station. Now she's suing the police officers who responded because they handcuffed and pinned down her son who's black and has intellectual disabilities. Now we'll see where this lawsuit goes. You know, maybe it does seem like the cops might have been a little bit excessive given the fact that the mom was right there and that she wanted the cops to be teaching them a lesson. However, if you call the cops on your son and report that he's stealing something, I think you should expect, whether he's 14 or not, you should expect the police to treat this very seriously. I don't think you should make a habit of calling the police on your son. So um, after he failed, the the young man failed to hand over the last of these stolen e-cigs. These two officers, according to the lawsuit, physically forced him to do so. Then Kathy Austrian's son was handcuffed and pinned to the ground as he screamed and struggled. Again, according to the lawsuit filed um, by the ACLU of Vermont. We'll see where this goes, but if you want to avoid this, the best thing you can do, don't call the cops on your son. D- deal with this as a parent. I mean, am I off base on this one? 800-848-9222. Let me know what you think. Tom is in Westchester. What's on your mind, Tom? Uh, how much different do you feel or better do you feel when you give up uh, alcohol for 40 days? Honestly, um, I don't really see any difference. Uh, you know, I am much more careful with what I'm eating. You know, I don't, I stay away from usually pasta and junk food and, you know, uh, carbs and things like that. So the most noticeable thing to me at the end is that I've lost weight, you know, usually a substantial amount of weight, 
But during the abstention, it's well, first of all, I don't really drink that much uh, anyway. I'm, I'm kind of a weekend drinker. But um, the the thing that I most notice, and it's such a good question, Tom, because uh, do you abstain from anything during Lent? I'm about to give up alcohol. I almost, I drink at home almost every night. Oh, after every work. night. Okay. Well, you and know. I, I don't have much of a social life at the moment, but when I do go out, I will still drink. But I am not going to drink at home anymore. You know, you know for, what I for, find for monetary reasons, health reasons, and efficiency reasons. Well, I and, think those are all. I'm 76 years old. I think those are all good reasons. You know, Shatner says right. in the movie uh, Free Enterprise that when you drink at home alone, that's the difference between being uh, social and alcoholism. I've never really embraced that because I enjoy a, a drink. I don't, I don't agree with that Neither at all. Do I, I, I Neither can do be I. quite Neither gregarious, I, but... and I, I, I can drink. Uh, I, now, that's not the reason. It's but, just it's it's about time. So what I was going to say, Tom, is uh, during Lent, when I'm not drinking, and I still go out with all of my friends that are, I really notice how much more boring a lot of my friends are. You know, and, Oh, I, yes. I, I thought they were much more entertaining, and after two or three glasses of bourbon, they are. But when I'm listening to these ridiculous stories sober, all of a sudden they're not as entertaining. Yes, I've experienced that in my life, too, because I have gone out after work when I didn't want to drink. It was late. You had to get up in the morning, and you just hung around with people sober. And you say, boy, what a difference. And I have abstained for certain periods of time before, but this is more serious now because I'm older than ever, and it's just a good idea. That's sure. All. Well, hey, best of luck to you, Tom. I know it can be. Uh, I know it can be a challenge. Thanks. You know what a friend of mine does? Um, he will abstain from hard liquor and still have beer and wine. Now, if you don't feel like you can just snap your fingers and not have any alcohol, that's not a bad way to go. Because, you know, you're not going to get, I mean, you could get tanked, but it takes a little longer to get tanked on uh, beer and wine than, you know, on spirits. So, everyone's got to do whatever they think will make them feel comfortable. Your influence counts. Use it.